Welcome to All Your Favorite Music is Probably, where we take a themed dive into popular songs and unearth the connections like a spy with an agenda. I'm your host, Mark Montgomery French, music culture writer, film composer, and cake enthusiast. Today's theme is All Your Favorite Music is Probably Songs That Are Secretly Religious. And my guest today is Marvin K. White, award-winning poet and Minister of Celebration at Glide Memorial Church in San Francisco. Hi, Marvin. Hey, Mark Montgomery French. <laughs> I love having you say my name. It's so much fun. So when you think about the phrase religious music, what comes to mind? Like immediately, don't think too hard. Just like, what do you think about? Yeah, I this image pops into my head of my grandmother coming into my room in the morning, like humming some gospel song. And... We were Jehovah's Witnesses, so she shouldn't have been humming that, you know. But that's just how deep, like, religious music is. Like, nothing could overwrite it. Right. No, you know? I, I get you. My, uh, my, I went to a Lutheran school, but my parents were Methodists. Or at least they belonged to the Methodist Church. And my mother would play James Cleveland albums regularly. Right, right. To the point where I went to their house. She still has them. Yeah. She hasn't played them. But she has more than I thought she had. Yeah, and yeah. Great condition. So what I want to talk about today are songs that you didn't know were religious. Songs that were big hits. You heard them around. Your friends played them. You bought them. But you're like, huh, that's interesting. And one of them is from a man you may have heard of, a Mr. Leonard Kravitz, also known as Lenny. Yes, and, yes. Uh, uh, Roxy's son. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz's father for our younger listeners. <laughs> He had a song called Are You Gonna Go My Way? And it turns out he was writing it from the first-person perspective of Jesus. Ah, yes. Right? So, I mean, in his mind, he's going, you know, my way is yeah. of love. So, yeah. if you have a choice yeah. between love or another way, yeah. are you going to go my way? So, the yeah. opening line of the song, which I didn't think about till I was doing this show. You know, I can yes. see him in sandals. <laughs> He doesn't want to get back to the water all the okay. time. and you know. Um, Interesting. The first line of the songs are, I was born long ago. I am the chosen. I'm the one. I have come to save the day, and I won't leave until I'm done. Okay. I thought, well, I'm just a rock star messiah, but in his mind, no, I am the messiah. Mm -hmm. And was pretty straight up about it, and it went under the radar completely. But was his biggest hit at the time, so good for him. That's amazing. I mean, I can see how I missed it because his pants are so tight. Um, <laughs> Velvet, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's also like artists as like religious figure. And what does it mean to like, you have no choice but to create art. You have right. no choice but to sing. And this is not going to be done until, you know, I'm out of breath. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it has to be fulfilled or else you know, my job here on this earth is, it, it you know, I had the wrong job. Right. Yeah. Perfect. And now I'm going to play for y'all, Lenny Kravitz, Are You Gonna Go My Way?
that was Lenny Kravitz, Are You Gonna Go My Way? And he does, by the way, have a wonderful selection of leather pants, uh, leather and velvet, I gotta say. I want to talk about the impressions. And uh, Curtis Mayfield, R.I.P., was the guy who really did all the music and all of the lyrics for the impressions. And he had a song called People Get Ready from 1965. And I think it went over the heads of most non-black people that the song had a religious theme because it seemed to be about a train. And if you could just kind of for the audience talk about the importance of the train to black American culture. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we have to remember that Harry Tubman operated on the Underground Railroad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and enslaved Africans um, who who spoke in in that vernacular we're waiting for the train to come to get to take them to freedom. There's also a reference of 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 heaven and as a way to get there also is to get on board this train. Um, but it represents freedom uh, and it represents the journey to freedom. And, you know, for African-Americans, it's a it's so much a part of our lexicon and a part of our our music and belief that, you know, there is get on board, little children. There's room for plenty of more, you know, like there's so much train stuff, you know. Um, and I think that's it, that we are, we're also sojourners together that, you know, it's not like get on a one seat Uber, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like all of us, you know, can get on. Excellent. All right. I'm going to play that song. This is the impressions. People get ready. Get on board All you need is faith To hear the dealers humming Don't need no ticket You just thank the Lord So people get ready For the train to join
just thank the And that was the impressions people get ready. Uh, one thing also I want to point out to people is that during the Great Migration, which is like 1910, 1970, when uh, my family, probably your family, moved from the South to escape uh, persecution, Jim Crow, and colored water fountains, the train jobs were one of the first middle-class mm -hmm. jobs open to black Americans. Mm -hmm. And even though it was a lot of carrying bags, taking tickets, you made enough money to do things like buy a house and put your family in it and create some wealth. So there's also another sort of economic blessing about yeah. the trains yeah. as the freedom will carry yeah. us past getting on and getting off. Yeah. We can build something that we couldn't have done before we got on the train. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And it's, you know, it's imagine you're leaving Louisiana and... You know, your your grandmother fries you chicken, makes some hot water cornbread and freezes a soda, <laughs> you know, like that's how food migrated. Right. You know, right. From the south. And on now that I'm, train. And now I'm hungry. Yeah. I would like some cornbread and a, and a frozen soda right about now. So I know what we're doing after this recording. So I want to talk about one of my favorite artists, Erica Badu and Erica Badu from the first sound of her. I'm like, what's going on here? This is groovy. And I believe it was On and On was the first time I really listened to her. And I didn't know what On and On was about. You do some digging. It's really about the 5% nation teaching. She drops little bits of that in the song. So the 5% nation, for those of you who are not familiar, it's an offshoot of the Nation of Islam started in the 60s. And they believe that 95% of the world is either uh, not aware of the teachings or trying to prevent teachings from happening. So part of their religion, they are supposed to help teach the other 95% mm -hmm. of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So if you heard about the phrase, a cipher, you know, dudes sitting around in a ring, that came from language that was brought up in the Nation of Islam because they wanted to stand in a ring or a circle mm. and drop knowledge. And so as many of the first wave of rappers were actually five percenters, they used the phrase cipher to actually still stand in a circle and rap. So very much about circles. So mm. the line on and on and on and on, my cipher keeps moving like a rolling stone. She's talking about the circle, but also a circle of knowledge. Mm. So that's what she's about. So I am going to play for you on and on by Erica Badu.
And that was On and On by Erica Badu, and she's dropping some information about, uh, I don't know if she actually is a 5%er, but it's definitely 5%er information. It's a line in the song about $3 and a dime, which is $3.60, which is 360 degrees, which is a circle. Yeah, oh yeah, no, she she definitely um, uh, knows about circles. And again, the whole cipher is about knowledge and wisdom and understanding mm-hmm. and they're all 120 degrees, which together becomes 360. Yeah, it's all like that. So Wow. That's a lot. Do you remember there was a point in which like rappers would date Erica Badu and all of a sudden come out super woke? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Andre 3000. 3000. Right. I was like, oh, but, okay. But also Common. Common, yeah. Common was a little rugged yeah. and then got the Koofy day yeah. after he met her. Yeah. I mean, but that's, I mean, that was her, first of all, like all of this Illuminati, Freemason, you know, Eastern Star, like it, it's an amazing thing when those things like make its way into popular culture. Yeah. Um, if you're aware of the references yes. like you are and how it actually works, you know, like when you when you think about her dropping knowledge and her being like pre-woke, yes. you know, it is it is definitely I don't know if it's like capitalism and blackness and music, but she used the tools of of five percent of five percenters. I think both can okay, be said. Okay. Um five percentage and and incorporated in a way that made the kind of bohemian blackness, you know, palatable. Yes. You know, yes. there was the you know, she's not the first one to appear with patchouli as a black person. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, but you know, the the sixties black power you know, movement was more radical in our self-acceptance. And I feel like she was just a resurgence um, and a reinvention of of trying to get that energy together. Yeah, so I, I love that idea that she is pulling from other, you know, religious traditions and and hiding it, obfuscating it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to my obfuscation. Speaking of obfuscation... I want to talk about Katie Lang. And Katie Lang has a song called Constant Craving. That was probably the big hit she had off of Ingenue back in the 90s. After that point, most of her music was very country or country-esque. She did a song with Roy Orbison that was very 50s-esque. And then she kind of went into this, uh, I hate to say adult contemporary, because it sounds like it'd be boring, but actually was very melodic and lush. And Constant Craving was the big hit. And Constant Craving is about the Buddhist concept of samsara. I hope I'm saying samsara correctly. Turns out she was going toward being a Buddhist at the Mm -hmm. time and is now a practicing Buddhist. But samsara is the continuous cycle of birth and death while one moves within the six realms of existence. I don't know what those realms are, but I do know Mm -hmm. that the realms can be marked by sufferings or craving. The the idea Mm -hmm. of... One of them is accepting the fact you will always be craving something. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal, as all of us want to. With the last 20 months, I just want to be out of my house. I just want to walk around without a mask and to actually just accept that this is just a part of life and you're moving through a different level of existence. This isn't a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing that is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of remarkable, at least being a Western person. Yeah, I I love it. I mean, it's such... It has such great implications for those of us who are artists and thinkers and creatives. The idea of over-identification, 
you know, with with anything, you know, and the over attachment to anything. Like we have tools that we can use for our creativity, but we are we are not the tools, you know, and we don't rely or depend on the tools. You know, the tools just are and we can, you know, we can animate them, but you know, we don't become the thing. And so that allows us to see, you know, possibilities of other things creating music and other ways of recording and other ways of writing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the Buddhist, and this is, you know, hey, boo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is like how little I know <laughs> about Buddhism. Preach! <laughs> um, for me, it would be about breaking these these cycles and also, you know, as an artist, the plateau, yeah. you know, um, and if you're identify, okay, I need to break this plateau. Oh, I need to make a hit. Oh, I need to have, then you are identifying with making a hit, you know, as opposed to, you know, just being in the moment and creating art, yeah. you know? So the more things that you can like identify with or over identify with, I think, the lighter the load. I always say, you know, one of the ways that I replenish my creative process is to exhaust everything. You know, so if I keep singing, singing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If I keep preaching and keep writing, um, I'll get to a place where I have no words left, which is where I am right now in my creative process at Glide. Mm. And so, like, at the end of language is this other thing that happens. Like once you run out of your 500 words, there's this other thing that has to happen where it's not like just going to look for new words, but you have to you have to access something larger and something outside of yourself and it begins to get, you know, spiritual because you're you're now you are expecting a word, you know, and it's right. not something you're crafting. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I was thinking um about little Richard and Here's a man who was persecuted for being who he was, but he managed to ignite the entire world with a wop babaloo bop, a wop bamboom. I don't care what yeah. country you're from, what language yeah. you speak, yeah. everybody knows what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. And I doubt I doubt he yeah. sat there with a pen going, yeah. a wop baba, hmm. A whip baba? Yeah. He just and he's also comes from gospel roots. Yeah. And he just yeah. he, that's a that's a he was a vessel for those yeah. syllables. Yeah. And everybody went, yep. Yeah, that, that's what he said. He had a whole the whole world talking in tongue. <laughs> and yeah. with that, I'm going to play "Constant Craving" by Katie Lang.
And that was Constant Craving by Katie Lang. And when I'm going to make the world's most bizarre segue. When I think of Katie Lang, I think of celebrating. And when I think of celebration, I think of a glide church, but I also think of Cool in the Gang. I don't think there's anybody born after 1980 who has not heard Cool in the Gang celebration because it's only played everywhere for every possible event in the world. I think polar bears play it when they give birth. It's like, I'm sure it happens. And it turns out that Kalis Bayan, one of the original members of Cool in the Gang, wrote it while being inspired by the Quran. He literally said he was reading a passage about God creating Adam and the angels, and they were celebrating and singing praises. And that inspired him to write Celebration. Wow. Now, I don't know if, if it was, you know, hey, I did a good Ramadan song, mm-hmm. but it is a good Ramadan song, if you think about it. <laughs> it's good for any celebration. That's amazing. And I, I don't know if any other song inspired by the Quran made it to number one in America. Uh, I don't think they were using that as a battering ram to get on pop radio. Yeah. But that's what happened. Wow. That's that's amazing. Um, and what what an ear. I mean, we talked about vessels earlier. Mm-hmm. And to be inspired, to have a, a book so sacred and so and so holy, um, and to read it not for, you know, because you have to as a practitioner of that faith, but to be divinely inspired, you know, I mean, like that's a different level of belief that, that the sacred text still hold a contemporary message. And if not a message still has a power to, you know, to, you know, to inspire you to write music, you know, in a contemporary, I mean, it's not that celebration is about, you know, the birth of Christ, right. You know, it's, it's a contemporary, I mean, how are we, you know, inspired to celebrate, you know, all the things that we give birth to, yeah, all the things that are in creation. Um, and we need prophets to reinterpret the sacred text in every generation and in every format and genre too. So, you know, it should be R&B and it should be gospel and it should be house music and it should be pop and everything is source material. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm going to play Cool and the Gang's Celebration.
And that was celebration by Cool in the Gang, inspired by the Quran. And it's interesting when I think about music, and it's it music has always had actual purposes. Just music for birth, music for death, music for dancing, music for religion, music mm-hmm. for you know, music for sitting in an airport. And I I don't know if that consciousness is always available because there's so much music around. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hear a song and you go, I don't like it. Maybe well, maybe it's just not what you need right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need us. I can tell you during a lockdown, I was listening to a lot of ambient music because I needed my brain to just relax. And it wasn't music I would normally play all the time, but my, my, my head said, you need to chill now. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. a very calm song, mm-hmm. it's very simple, almost like a drone for half an hour, is what I needed to listen to. Mm-hmm. I wasn't clubbing right then. <laughs> that would be a bad club song. But if I'm going to a club and I want some beat. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's important to realize that music has a purpose, or certain songs have a purpose, and we should surround those that help us get to the state of mind we want to be in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about one of my favorite bands, Queen. And Queen had a song called Somebody to Love. And I thought about the concept of it's sad if you don't have somebody to love or, you know, even a dog, uh, someone to put your love into. But he's singing to God. It's Hmm. really clear. He says, Lord, a bunch of times. Hmm. Literally, he's going, I've spent all my years in believing you but I just can't get no relief, comma, Lord. Well, that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talks about praying in the song. Talks, and, and the song sounds like a gospel song, as much as four British dudes can make. Mm-hmm. A, a, apparently, he was trying to emulate Aretha Franklin. Oh. So the three, the three guys who sang, sang all 100 pieces of a choir, trying to emulate Aretha Franklin's style of gospel yeah. song. So it all does kind of make sense. Yeah. But I never really thought about it because I'm just like, yeah, Freddie Mercury, you know. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, there is, you know, in the in in Christian traditions, um, there is the 
the idea of the lament, you know, like you can, you know, shake your fist at God and say, why haven't you done the thing that you said? I did everything I was supposed to do, you know, and I, I followed it to the letter. I, you know, I sang before you, I did the thing. And are you going to deliver me from this thing? You know, and are you going to free me physically or in my health? And I think getting to that place where you can ask is a place, yeah, you know, yeah. and once you realize that you are waiting for someone to do something to you and you can be disappointed in, in your idea of what God is, like that's a level of, of growth and maturity and faith that, you know, people rarely get to people are almost like, okay, that's what God gave me. So, you know, even though I've outgrown it, um, I'm just going to not ask for anything else. Cause you know, heaven. <laughs> you know, you get to you get to lament and it is a part of of the tradition to to ask for more. Yeah. You know, to call God to task. And that's all right, you know, to do. I mean, you know, it, particularly as you know, Freddie Mercury in his body that was experiencing HIV and AIDS and Hell yes, that's, you know, that's the question, you know, and even sexuality is, you know, that's the question and whether or not he was asking it to be taken away or for the world to make room for his gifts to come specifically through his body and his identity. Yeah, I think a lot of music that comes from marginalized folks, from queer folks, from women, you know, from folks out of the mainstream is is lament. Wow, Mm. it's beautiful. And with that, I'm going to play Queen Somebody to Love.
with the beautiful somebody to love so i don't think i ever told you but i took religious studies my first year of college and one of the topics that they came up with was the religion of zoroastrianism it's really only followed right now from uh, people from the traditional land of persia and mm-hmm. wherever they've moved to and one of the most famous, I think the, I forget the name of the actual group, but Freddie Mercury's parents believed in Zoroastrianism. Persian. Yes. And they brought it with them when they moved, uh, I think, from Zanzibar to England. And there is some things similar about flamboyancy and speaking proudly that I see in some of his movements, some of his songs, some of his lyrics. But what happened to me was learning about Zoroastrianism, mm-hmm. among other things I learned about in religious studies, so blew my mind, I dropped out of college. I just realized, keep in mind, I'm 17. I'm already like in my second semester. I went to when I was 16. So kind of early to be making a decision on being an engineer. But I realized through this class, there was so much more about the world mm-hmm. I did not know. Mm-hmm. I could not commit to the major I said I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And specifically with learning about Freddie Mercury's religion that made me say, I need to press the eject button and figure out who I am before I say, I want this four-year degree. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I, yeah, that kind of awakening, you know, before, you know, the commitment to let the world shape you, you know, like what a window of opportunity, (laughs) you know, um, Port the portal opened, 
and we all get that chance, right? And, we, and it and it happens over and over and over again. Um, but every everything has a portal and an opportunity to to rethink, to go another way, to to renegotiate the contract. It's it's the it's the I'm stuck in this path thing mm-hmm. that I think gets a lot of people. I'm like. You can walk away from anything. You can really walk. And that might be your holiest moment. The number of people who were who were running from their gifts, mm-hmm. you know, or running full throttle towards them. Um, but both are okay. It's like just, are you going to take the long way or are you going to take the direct way? You know? Yeah. I mean, it gets to some fundamental questions like, are you human? Do you want to be a human? Mm-hmm. And being human means you're going to react a certain way or do things for yourself yeah. or take time to think about, I don't want to be a robot. Yeah. This is what a robot to do. Yeah. I don't want to be necessarily a, a sheep. That's what sheep do. Yeah. I want to be a thinking human being. Yeah. And therefore, I do get the choice to follow the gift yeah. or put it down or realize that time doesn't always work on your schedule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you're also, I mean, the the music that we've listened to today and the artists that we have named are are all prophets and mystics, you know, queer folks and outsiders and folks who can break through the din of capitalism, you know, usually are imbued and empowered by another kind of source and thinking. Yes. yes. You know, like these are magicians, like they should not have broken through like any public imagination like they are like making some deals with ancestors you know they are mystics they are they are going back into ancestral religious practices and they are they are tapping into something else um yeah and this is why i think so many musicians have been banned because if a song can make your children get up and dance, mm-hmm. that is scary. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's but it's different than the machine that creates a song that people get up and dance yes. to. You know, but voice. we're not talking about them today. We're talking about Katie Lang and Lenny Kravitz. You know, those are like their embodiment, also because you see them as well, and you know that's that's strange. You know, but it it works. It works. Mm. That's a perfect segue into one of the other religions I learned about at that time, which was Rastafarianism. Because I thought it was just about dudes with long hair who smoked weed. No idea Mm. it was religion, no idea. They thought there were a lost tribe of Israel because all that was kept from me. Mm -hmm. Black radio in the 70s, 80s didn't really play reggae. If you heard reggae, it was... I mean, I'm from the Bay Area. You heard reggae because yeah. people around here love it. It'll be pumping out of a car. Yeah. But it wasn't like Top 40 Radio was playing reggae. They might play Eric Clapton doing Bob Marley, but they really wouldn't play Bob Marley. So I'm going to talk about Bob Marley. And Bob Marley had a song called Exodus, which, yes, it's a book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But he was sort of talking about three things at once. There's Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. But also, there was the Rastafarian's desire to be led to freedom. Mm-hmm. And the history of Rastafarianism in Jamaica is basically, even there, people really wish they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Marley, his own exodus, in 1976, someone tried to assassinate him. So he was took an exodus to London to record the Exodus album. So you have all three of these events happening. 
but all centering around Moses and the Israelites. Yeah, yeah. So with that, I want to play Bob Marley and the Whalers, Exodus.
And that was Exodus by Bob Marley and the Wailers. You know, that's, that song really reminds us that, you know, when you talk about Moses, you have to talk about Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And you have to talk about Pharaoh being in Egypt, you know. And, you know, we often forget that a lot of the Bible and a lot of Christianity is in Africa. Yes. <laughs> you know, like um, I made up this word anti-comedic, you yes. know, which is like the de-Africanizing of Christianity, like just to wipe out all the blackness like in it. And there's something about lost tribes and Moses and Exodus that really says that if this, if this religious tradition like moved through Africa, then it got Africa on it and it got Africa <laughs> in it. You know, it just, you can't go through, I've never been to Africa, um, but I know I got Africa in me. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, this music reminds us the same, you know, in the same vein that, you know, it's in the same vein, you yeah. know, that, you know, that this music and these stories are ours. Yes, Absolutely. Marvin, thank you so much for coming on my show. I'm very happy to, for you to be here. You added so much. And that is our show, peoples. Come back next week when we'll unveil another fun theme. And oh, I have dates. My new music course, The Completely Abridged History of Barrier Music, starts online July 27th. And you can learn more about that from my Instagram and Twitter. And the handles on both of those is Mr. French, M R F R 3 N C H. I want it to be M-R-F-R-E-N-C-H, but somebody was slow getting his handles for Instagram and Twitter. So once again, M-R-F-R, the numeral three, N-C-H. Original theme music courtesy of Spiky Blimp. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. Originally broadcast on K-A-C-R-L-P Alameda. Underwritten by Dark Garden, makers of bespoke and handmade custom corsets, couture ensembles, and off-the-rack boutique goods since 1989. Learn more at darkgarden.com.